Sifter for the ear. News, interviews, reviews, cinema, TV, streaming. Action. Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. Because of the timing, they had a hard time for a couple of the directors, one was from the UK, getting their green card in time to be able to legally work in the United States. So actually, the live producer had to hold up FaceTime on his phone oh, wow. to show the director the screen in Video Village to direct the scene via FaceTime from wherever he was. I think he was in Toronto. That was Andy Edmonds talking about the filming of Fellow Travelers here in Richmond last year. Speaking of last year, I kicked off this podcast in January of 2022 with an interview from Andy Edmonds, the director of the Virginia Film Office. He's back to kick off the new year with some stories about the projects that were here last year and some great stories about other past productions. Sifter Review of the Week Copenhagen Cowboy on Netflix, Angela Bundelovic stands quietly for most of this movie as she plays a woman who gets involved in the city's dark side. The most important thing to know about this movie is that the director is Nicholas Winding Refn, or NWR as he's listed. He's known as a dramatic visual stylist, and this is how I described him in several of my other reviews of his previous work. Quote, the film certainly creates an intriguing world and there are some striking visuals, but as it progresses so slowly, the pretentious approach loses its edge and the absurd twist just seems silly. It's painfully pretentious and intensely serious, so while it looks cool, it's just tedious. Unquote. If you consider this series an experiment in weirdness, then just let it wash over you and be bemused by the parade of dull eccentricity, and an edible might help. I gave Copenhagen Cowboy two out of five stars. I just counted. There have been 51 podcasts since your first podcast a year ago. So what does that tell you? There are 52 weeks in the year. Good math. Very good. Okay. So yeah, and we're so we're back. Thank you. We're kicking off 2023 with a visit from Andy again. So how's your year been so far? You know, it's been interesting. It's just so great to get out of the oppression of COVID. I know everybody's tired of talking about that, but it really was an amazing experience to behold how the production industry, which as you know, Jerry, making a movie is kind of like disaster management anyway. So (laughs) when this first crisis emerged, I had the feeling that producers would figure out how to work within these new restrictions And sure enough, after working with the unions and Screen Actors Guild, they figured out a process. And the first people to emerge in the Commonwealth of Virginia as tourists, if you will, to occupy hotels and start spending money were, in fact, production people. So these super tourists with a payroll are movie producers. Right out of COVID, we had about $130 million of spending in Virginia. Wow. That would not have happened without the logistical expertise of producers. I always said if they wanted to distribute these vaccines faster, they should have just hired a bunch of producers. To there get you them go. Out there. <laughs> really? But anyway, I'm sick of talking about COVID. But other than that, globally, content demand is just continues to grow and expand because the appetite of the consumer will never be satisfied, right? right. Uh, which is good. And it creates opportunity because, as you know, the creation of this content is almost a manufacturing process that uses all these skilled workers. So it's this interesting intersection of artistic desire and economic reality. You know, I think I might have told you before, Jerry, that the director wants to film in the Grand Canyon. 
And the right. producer wants you to film in the quarry right outside of town. Right. So it's it's that whole debate and discussion that occurs to find a balance between artistic desire and economic reality. And our team is in a unique position to see that debate, that discussion play out in a van driving around the Commonwealth of Virginia so many times. Because, you know, the best movie ever made is the one you're making in the van before the movies ever gets made. <laughs> right, right, right. In your head. Yeah, exactly. In right. your head. That is always the greatest film. Speaking of great films, what are some of the films we had here last year? We had Raymond and Ray and Swagger was back. Footnote. Swagger is a TV series based on NBA star Kevin Durant. The first two seasons were shot here. Raymond and Ray, which was also shot in Richmond, stars Ethan Hawke and Ewan McGregor as half-brothers who attend their father's funeral. Yeah, Swagger was back for season two, and, you know, we're, we're hopeful for season three. And Raymond and Ray was just a great experience because Julie Lynn was a great friend, producer that went to UVA. And we've been trying, I think I might have mentioned before, for many years, almost 20 years to find a movie that she could bring here. And we were finally able to figure that out. And to have Ethan Hawke back was amazing. So Raymond and Ray was a great experience for the crew, great experience for the community. And just an example of an independent film that came here and, and really uh, allowed the local crew to move up the food chain in more important positions. We're so excited and proud of our VCU cinema program and a lot of the Young folks that have come through that program that are now working full-time in this industry. I have so many crazy intern stories, Jerry, of people that have been interns in our office that have gone on to have careers, you know, in, in the business. So what's one of the most interesting ones? One was a guy who was a parking lot attendant at the Commonwealth Club, and he came to us one day. This was back in probably 99 or something like that, and he said, look, I, I've got a camcorder at the time, and I, I make these VHS tapes, and I sit down and I edit them together, and I'm really into editing, and I, I really want to understand this and figure out how I can get a job doing this. And I said, well, look, come in and be an intern in our office, and if a show happens to come while you're in your intern cycle, we might be able to get you in the door as a PA or something. And uh, right. sure enough, within a month or so, there was a television series that was cranking up called Legacy, which was this period, knots landing kind of soap opera period show that we did right. here for UPN Network. He got the gig. And I just told him, I said, go in there, make friends, and especially make friends with the editor if you're wrenched in editing and just offer to, you know, empty his trash, do his dry cleaning or whatever. And he made friends with this pretty famous editor, and the editor let him come in and start messing around with uh, some of the, the uh, editing software at the time. And then fast forward to two years later, and this guy was an assistant editor on Black Hawk Down. Footnote. Black Hawk Down was made in 2001 by Ridley Scott about U.S. soldiers on a mission in Somalia. Wow, great. And now he's an in-demand editor uh, that, you know, works all over the country. He's still based in Richmond, and his name is Rex Tees. He works on feature films and television all over the country. Very cool. And you said there were two? Did you want to tell the other one? The same cycle. This was a Virginia Tech student at the time right. we were working on Lincoln, but I've been working on Lincoln for nine years at this point, you know, trying <laughs> yeah. to get it here. So it was one of those white whale projects, right? But sure enough, when he came in, Lincoln was starting to, in fact, prep. So I said, Andrew, his name is Andrew Allen. I said, Andrew, uh, come with me on this meeting. And I'm with production coordinator, UPM, transportation coordinator. We're around having lunch. And they said, well, we need to move a bunch of this furniture into the production office space uh, off of 295. And I told Andrew on the way over to the meeting, I said, look, no matter what anyone asks you, 
don't say no, don't hesitate. Just say, yes, I can, you know, sure. and figure yeah. it out. I kind of looked at Andrew and everybody kind of around the table, looked at Andrew and one of the guys said, well, how about you? And Andrew just kind of looked up and he was young and a little timid. And he said, yes, I can. Yeah, great. <laughs> and, great. So, and then they liked him and they said, okay, we might be able to give you a job as an office PA, which they gave him a job as an office PA. Then when the Spielberg camp arrived, they liked Andrew. So they kidnapped him over to the Spielberg executive wing. Then they liked him so much, they offered him a paid internship back at Amblin, back in California. Wow. And sure enough, Andrew went out there and he worked for Spielberg in Spielberg's office for almost five years. Wow. Great. And what's he doing now? Now, the, the, the sad end of the story is he's working at Home Depot now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. And then he, so he worked there and gained some amazing experience. And then he actually decided to come back and go to the brand center at VCU uh-huh. and get, you know, his master's and everything. So he's very much in the creative world. And because of his experience in motion pictures and branding, I mean, he's going to be really high up the food chain with some major studio in the branding world. And it's one of the most rewarding things for me, uh, Jerry, is, is like, you know, helping young people find a pathway into this unique, uh, challenging, complicated, but rewarding business, you know? Right. What did you think of the Golden Globes? They were obviously back this year for the first time. You know, I have mixed feeling, uh, mixed feelings about the Golden Globes for the same obvious reasons that many people do. And everybody however, else. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, however, I was uh, heartened to see it with all the trappings of the Golden Globes and all the, the celebrities and sitting around and getting all liquored up and having fun and celebrating the art form. So I, I was I was hard to see that. I thought that uh, Gerard Carmichael was very good in his, his opening. opening and- yeah, his opening was great. He nailed it. I mean, he was funny and smart and he handled he dealt with the issue right up front. He did. He did. Very, very funny and smart and and did uh, nail it very much. And, uh, you know, there was some hiccups in it, but I thought it was it was pretty well done. And I was just so excited for Spielberg to win this honor. And Tony Kushner is such a brilliant guy that I right, got to spend right. some time with here on Lincoln as well. And Have you seen Fableman's yet? I have not seen it. So oh, I, I need to go see it. Yeah, I'm excited to go see it. I have not seen it yet. I did go see Avatar the other night because one of my kids wanted to see it. And I've seen a couple of other things, but I need to go see Fableman's. I'll tell you one thing about Fableman's, and, and a lot of people are, obviously, as you probably know, it didn't do well at the box office, which is sad because it's three hours. But we went to see it and we weren't bored for one second. I never looked at my watch to say, wait a minute, this is really dragging. So it was three fascinating hours. You know what's interesting about movie length? If someone is a good storyteller, you're right. The time will not drag. And I'll tell you a story about that. I'm not sure how you actually felt about this movie, but to me, it was visual poetry and it was Terrence Malick's The New World that we shot here. Footnote. The New World was shot here in 2004 and looks at the English exploration of Virginia. It was an amazing piece of visual art and poetry uh, that he did, but the first cut that I saw, and it was like three hours and 20 minutes long. And I was just blown away visually and emotionally by it when it was over. And the second cut I saw that he had to cut down for theatrical release was still great. But the second cut that was shorter felt longer than the longer cut because wow. it didn't have as much connectivity to me, you know, it just the the second cut that was shorter felt longer than the long cut. So wow. that's interesting how that dynamic plays out. But that is yeah, that's yeah. still today to this day. I'm telling you, it's a film that will be studied for years and years to come. Some people thought it was boring or just me. 
<laughs> yeah, there you go, Derry Williams. God bless you. But I'll tell you a crazy production story about that movie, uh, Jerry. Is that we built a replica of the Jamestown Fort right right around the corner from the actual Jamestown on the Chickahominy River, and it was up the Chickahominy River on this bank side that they had to tear down an old fishing operation or something and build this fort. And Jack Fish, the production designer, I mean, built this fort out of real trees from the local materials and mud and dirt. And I think actually David Crank worked on that too, because he talked about the challenges that Jack had in trying, because they didn't want to use anything modern. They had to do everything the style that they did when they originally built this stuff. So that was a challenge. But anyway, go ahead. They absolutely did. And that's when we introduced uh, David to Jack for that film. But anyway, so we needed a ship to put out in front of the fort. And we, it needed to sit there for about six weeks of filming, you know? So we made arrangements, it's a whole other story, to get the Godspeed from Jamestown to bring wow. it up the river. There was this old bridge called the Barrett's Ferry Bridge, which was a drawbridge there that used to be there that was a weird drawbridge that would turn horizontally to open. Right, right. And the bridge was going to have to open to get the Godspeed up the river because of the mass ah, right. on the sails. So I called my colleague at Virginia Department of Transportation. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, it's fine. So this was about April or May. It was going to start shooting in the mid-July. And I see a headline in the newspaper, and it says, Barrett's Ferry Bridge closed indefinitely due to malfunction. And I saw this oh, headline great. like two days later. So I called my bridge guy back again. I'm like, what's happened? He said, well, yeah, you know, they tried to open it, and it got stuck. How are we going to get this ship up there? Are we going to cut the masts off and reinstall them? Jamestown is not going to like that. Right. Are we going to get a big Sikorsky helicopter and sling oh, the wow. ship and carry them? All this crazy stuff. And so immediately after, I call the producer because you always want to share bad news with the producer immediately to let him know we're trying to solve this problem. Right. And she's like, oh, my gosh. We actually, we had to go the highest levels of government, went to Governor Warner at the time and said, look, this bridge has got to open. This is a multi-million dollar project on the line. It's, you know, to their credit, I mean, they called VDOT and they had a contract going to make the repairs, but it was going to take like seven months. So they actually put some bonuses in place to encourage the contractor to accelerate the work. And they actually, they got it done. So it had to move on, I think it was like July 12th of that year. Finally got it to open on July 11th. Wow. But that's just an example of kind of the things a film commission does that people never, never hear know, about. Right, you know, right. that it, without that, the, the other thing that happened, Jerry, we were on a scout one time and, and we had shown Terrence Malick and all the people the Chickamauga River and how beautiful it was from the Powhatan village. Beautiful, pristine, not a modern intrusion in sight for miles up the river. So we go on the tech scout, we look up the river, and there are hundreds of crab pots with little buoys right oh. down the middle of the river in the whole scene. Wow. And they were not there the week before. So we had to then work with Virginia Marine Department to find out who owned all these crab pots. And there were several different fishermen that owned them. So basically, the production had to do a deal, you know, and buy out the crabs. The crab, wow. Yeah. Somebody had a crab feast that night. They had a crab feast, and also they made more money off the movie than they would have fishing for crabs the whole season. So That's yeah. true. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. What do we have to look forward to so far this year? Anything uh, in the works that we can hear about? We've got some really interesting and exciting things in the works, but I can't talk about any of them, Jerry. Of course. You know, I just can't. You know, the story still is, is how competitive it is between the various states and countries. Georgia is still a very dominant competitor. Uh, West Virginia just became much more competitive. Kentucky is very competitive. 
Maryland's getting ready to increase their incentive pool. North Carolina is still very competitive to us and has more than more fuel than we have to work with. You know, I, I'm still intrigued by the notion of really targeting the episodic content because of the work year after year it they can keep bring. Coming back, right? And not only that, but even in a limited series of the longer duration of shooting days that occurs, the nature of making episodic content also requires you to have a soundstage because you film on location for three days, then you go on a stage for four or five days. So, just by the nature of how you make the content. It would create demand for the private sector to build these sound stages and other infrastructure that we need. And, and just as a factual matter, Georgia now has about 120 purpose-built sound stages in Georgia. Wow. I mean, we have one, you know, that's in Suffolk that was built, you know, years ago by the New uh, Millennium. Well, New Dominion pictures I'm, I'm sorry, down yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The New Millennium stage in Petersburg is now actually a pipe fitting company has taken over that building. Oh, really? So it's all about demand. I mean, if you, sure. you have the workflow that demands the infrastructure, like for, for Dope Sick, we had to find a huge warehouse for them to build sets. So we found one out in the Elko area of Eastern Rico County. There was a massive 200,000 square foot warehouse and it was perfect actually, but super expensive. And then of course that, that warehouse is no longer available and that's what happens. You find a good one and then it goes away. Currently, you know, Swagger, we were able to find a surplus state building that they've been using for their sets that they're still holding for their sets. So we're always on the hunt for massive warehouse spaces all around the state with 30 foot ceilings and clear span if possible. And we found some really interesting ones recently that we could totally turn into a really robust studio complex. But you have to have the workflow to justify the investment, right? So sure, that, that's yeah. the conundrum there. And it's an interesting decision that policymakers have to make, whether they're going to you know, actively go after one part of economic development versus another part of economic development. You know, We mentioned Swagger. We mentioned Raymond and Ray. What are some of the other things that went on last year that maybe people didn't hear about? Maybe it was a smaller indie or maybe it was a commercial or something that was kind of cool around the state. There's a filmmaker out of Charlottesville named Teddy Grinnan. And Teddy actually runs the... Sun Valley Film Festival, and he's done three or four movies now in Virginia, and he did one called Catch a Killer, and we shot out at the Pump House, you know, over near Bird right. Park, which is sure. a great little scene out there, Beautiful great location. location, yeah, and some other places around. So Teddy, Teddy did a, a small film here, and we had a big Mercedes campaign that people might not know about that we shot uh, down in the Norfolk area. Was it the usual what they call driving footage, where they're driving through the streets and that kind of thing? Yeah, a lot of driving through the streets, and we had to shut down a pretty big, massive bridge, you know, for for one of those things and some of the things we have to deal with, and you know, a couple of other indie films here and there, and then little pieces of things for DC related kind of CIA espionage thing. And then we did a, a piece with Showtime called uh, Fellow Travelers. They came down and shot at the VDOT building on Broad Street for just actually, I think just it was a day three or two. Day, yeah, yeah, I think it was two or three two days, days yeah. of actual filming. I saw the budget and I mean, their budget for two days of production in Virginia was two and a half million dollars. Wow. Yeah, Great. for two days of production. What was interesting there, too, Jerry, is that it's an episodic show for Showtime, right. which had multiple directors involved because they were filming pieces of a couple of different episodes that had different directors. Now, because of the timing, they had a hard time 
for a couple of the directors, one was from the UK, getting their green card in time to be able to legally work in the United States. So they had actually the line producer had to hold up FaceTime on his phone oh, wow. to show the director the screen in Video Village to direct the scene via FaceTime from wherever he was. I think he was in Toronto. And what's interesting to kind of tie the thread together, the fellow travelers thing was Showtime. The line producer was a guy named Sean Ryerson, who we had a relationship with, who was also the line producer on Legacy, that show I told you about, uh -huh. where Rex had the first PA gig that became right. it. You know, so these relationships go on for 20 years. You can connect the dots back to word of mouth and previous relationships. You know, going back to like Richard Kelly with Donnie Darko. Footnote. Donnie Darko was a 2001 film starring Jake Gyllenhaal as a man who's plagued by visions of a man in a large rabbit suit. I was at Sundance and everyone was talking about this movie called Donnie Darko and this director, Richard Kelly. And then I looked at the bio, Richard Kelly said he's from Virginia. I was like, what? I didn't even know who the guy was. So I go to the screening because everyone was buzzing about it and introduced myself to him and say, hey, man, you know, film commission. I said, hopefully we can work together on something in the future. And the movie came out, I don't know if you remember, but it came out in October of 2001, a month after 9-11. Nobody oh, wow. wanted to see a movie with an airplane engine falling off of a jet. You know, it was right. just kind of a dark film. So it did not do very well in the box office. Right. And so I called Richard and I said, Richard, why didn't your movie play in Richmond, Virginia, your hometown? He said, I don't know. Call my distributor. So I called the distributor up in New York. I said, can we have the print? Can you bring it down here to Richmond? He said, OK, whatever. So we got it into the Ridge Theater. And I said, Richard, we will bring you in. And we will line up some press for you and you can do some interviews and get some attention to this great achievement that you've made. And this was in like, I think around Christmas of 2001. And the movie started showing. And then that movie started beating a Bruce Willis movie called Tears of the Sun at the time. They ran, they thought they were going to run it for like a week or 14 days. They ended up running it for like eight weeks, you know? Wow. Then, as you know, that movie went on to be this cult hit that ran for something like 15 years as a midnight movie in Los Angeles. And then he, he, of course, did this movie, The Box. Footnote. The Box was a 2009 thriller about a mysterious box that will grant anyone a million dollars if they kill someone. It's basically a Christmas card to his parents. He wove in these autobiographical details of his father working for NASA, his mother being a school teacher, and he basically got the studio to pay for a Christmas card to his parents. <laughs> well, I remember, too, wasn't there something like there was a reference in the movie to U-Crops and they had to build a fake U-Crops or something yes. like that? Yes, there was a U-Crop. Well, we scouted for the whole movie here in, in Richmond, you know, and we had it all figured out. But then at the time, Massachusetts had more incentives, right? So the studio made him go to Boston to film a bunch of this stuff. We ended up filming a lot of it at NASA Langley and Hampton. But yeah, he had to recreate and build a U-Crops in Boston, Massachusetts. That was kind of sad. <laughs> so what are you watching? By the way, after last year, I got humiliated into getting Hulu. So now I have pretty much all the streaming services, which, well, let me ask you this, because this is a frustrating thing. And I actually heard an interview with James Cameron talking about this. You know, there's what, 10, 15 streaming services now? Something's got to happen. There's got to be a new kind of consolidation. What do you think? I mean, you know, it's crazy to try to figure out, wait a minute, was that on Amazon? Was that on Peacock? Where did I see that thing? You're right. It is frustrating. And it's not only frustrating just logistically, but just, you know, financially. I mean, there's yeah, just, I don't yeah. even know how many streaming services I'm paying for now. Another one will pop up and my wife will go, you're paying for that one too? I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> it's my business. I got to have them.
you're right. Something has got to consolidate, whether Apple's going to buy Amazon or that, who knows what's going to happen. But with that, there's certainly a lot of choices out there. So I love seeing new comedians. So you can go on Netflix, you can find and discover a lot of interesting comedians. I love documentaries. So there's so many amazing documentaries out there. Especially if you like crime document, true crime, that's everywhere now. Well, the true crime stuff is there, but there's also stuff about consciousness and there's just really fascinating stuff about the human mind. And this this common consciousness is going to be a big deal over the next couple of generations of you know getting back to core important things. Because everyone's so separated by these devices and this technology and this content that human connectivity is going to become more important. And there's a lot of documentaries that talk about that in a biological way that's kind of interesting. You know, I really like, I thought Severance was great on Apple. Really? Uh, I appreciated it, but I just was like, this is so slow and it's trying so hard to be weird. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it was, but it was just, you know, I just loved innovative and interesting oh, and just, you know, new. And I, I didn't realize what an amazing director Ben Stiller is. I'm looking forward to, a, there's a movie that's coming out that we worked on called Washington Plumbers. Is that a Watergate thing? Yeah, the Watergate thing. It's with HBO. And we helped them in Northern Virginia with some stuff. We had to film at Reagan National Airport in the period terminal there, right? Right. And we went through a lot of challenges trying to get that thing, man. They, at first they said, they, they didn't only say no, they said hell no. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so we went from hell no to we got it done. Well, now how do you do that? Because that's, I mean, you're talking and you can't shut it down, obviously. And you can't shoot at night because you got it's got to look like daytime. That's right. So it was really interesting threading a needle. Now, fortunately, this is a terminal where it's not as busy as the main terminal, but it's still it's an open airport with all the TSA baggage, right. if you will, that goes along with that. Where we were, it was about not stopping vehicular traffic. And, and plus, we couldn't see all those new Ubers and cabs in the shot. Right. We had to get one lane from them. For certain amounts of time and strategically place some trucks to block certain things that were period trucks. Anyway, we, we eventually got it done. So it was very heroic to HBO for us to be able to get it done because they really, really wanted it. The movie's supposed to be really good. It's Woody Harrelson and a great cast, you know, and we've got a great relationship with HBO. There's some other things they're working on that we would love to get here. We're, we're just thankful to the community that when we have clients that come into Richmond in particular and all around the state that everyone embraces them and, and they really become part of the community and enjoy the restaurants like we all do. And a lot of people want to come back and film here. And this is because of the great experience they have. So, and that's really, we partnered with Richmond Public Schools, City of Richmond, Police Department, Henrico County, Chesterfield, all of our local government bodies that help us get this work done. We could not do without them. And our partners in state government, too. So we're just thankful for everyone that uh, helps us make Virginia film friendly. And we appreciate you, Jerry, <laughs> TV, a.k.a. TV Jerry, a.k.a. Man in the Dark in the Creepy Trench Coat. <laughs> we appreciate you and all you do to bring awareness to this industry and uh, have great creative conversations with so many cool people. Thanks for keeping me in touch with what's going on and letting me know some of these scoops so I can get a hold of these people and get them on the show. And I'm sure we'll be talking about some more interesting stuff in the near future. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. That was Andy Edmonds, director of the Virginia Film Office, back to discuss Virginia's production industry in 2022 and lots more. There are links to the shows we discussed on the webpage for this show at tvjerry.com. Coming soon. In theaters. Missing. 
from the producers of Searching. This also takes the approach of a screen-based mystery, and this one involves a teen daughter whose mother disappears. Women Talking. Sarah Polly directs this film about Mennonite women who are facing sexual assaults in their community, featuring Rooney Mara, Claire Foy, and Jesse Buckley. You People. Jonah Hill and Lauren London confront the expectations of their families. Also starring Eddie Murphy, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and David Duchovny, and created by Kenya Barris. TV and streaming. That 90s show on Netflix. Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher head this new generation in a throwback to the original TV hit. Miracle Workers, End Times, on TBS, this comedy starring Daniel Radcliffe returns for the fourth season. And for the second season, Hilary Duff is back on Hulu with How I Met Your Father. Amber, The Girl Behind the Alert, is a new documentary dropping on Peacock. By the way, Argentina 1985, which just won the Golden Globe for the best non-English language film, is now streaming on Amazon Prime. For more sister, including literally thousands, thousands of reviews, reviews, visit tvjerry.com. That's a wrap.